every hour on the hour. When we listen and gain our knowledge and power, we turn to the no bullshit hour. Let's just did breaking news. No more bullshit. No more bullshit. No bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. October 30th, 2020. Got it right this week, Mark. Yeah, yeah, all Hallows Eve. Later in the program, special piece by Count Red Baron. <laughs> the Red Baron. He had to shave the rest of his hair off because we gave him... What? Your listener... He came in, he missed deadline, we gave him a kid and play high fate. He soon oh, cut it no. off. You know why? Why? Because he says, I got a reputation. I can't walk around Detroit with this. So he was afraid somebody's going to beat his ass. So he shaved his red head. What a baby. You, you try it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. You walk around Detroit with a bozo to hair. <laughs> no Erica, thanks. But bozo to clown. Doesn't work. <laughs> okay, today we have on the show very excited... Uh, how do I introduce him? Maurice Davis, now the demo- lifelong Democrat. Keep that music up. God, you guys got to feel me. Feel me. Start over. Where's it at? Put it back in. I, I closed it because I, uh, I was getting Maurice's piece ready. Okay, but anyway, Maurice has, you know, the lifelong Democrat, auto worker, blues man. He's so flint, he doesn't even know what walleye is. What? The fish from the Great Lakes, 60 miles away. He didn't ever even heard of it. That's how Flint he is. He's that Flint. But he's so sick of what's going on in Flint. He said, fuck it. I'm going Trump. He went crazy. He went viral. He's now the fourth man on the conservative Mount Rushmore. Goldwater, Reagan, Buckley, Maurice Davis. <laughs> and it hasn't been an easy two weeks. So we'll have him also... As some balance. Smitri Kashari is a wonderful filmmaker and artist. Something really interesting. Interesting. It's a piece called Disintegration. Mm-hmm. Takes a headline from every day of the Trump administration. 1,460 headlines. Oof. Right? Set to a soundtrack. We'll, we'll talk to her about the soundtrack. Right? Who's who's the artist behind the soundtrack? Exactly. Um then maybe we're, we're going to hear from Red Baron. Then what's in the news? I told you so, but I'm not. I'm just saying. I don't want to say I'm telling you so, but I'm oh, telling we'll you find so. Out, yeah. I still like that music. Keep it going. Let me get through this first part, dude. Give me that music again. Thank you. And then how are we treating our elderly? If there's anything we learned from COVID, it's how despicable end-of-life care is in this country, and nobody's addressing it. So a very special piece to remind us of our elders, those before them, and the fact that we're next. Piece from my good friend, artist Bob Harris. And uh, keep that going, man. (laughs) 
I'll tell you when to turn it on. I know. I, I remember. I'm I, have to, I have to keep this backing it up. This is the no bullshit news hour with Charlie Duff and Mark Shadowbaugh. Uh, uh, Mark Shadowbaugh. <laughs> yeah, if the shoe fits. We blew him up too. Mark Fellauer deciding the rhythm. Look at right there, everybody. If you're listening and not watching, look at that. That is a delicious Detroit original, an American Coney Island. That is a sausage proprietary beef and pork with a lamb casing that is a proprietary homemade chili 103 years old developed by Gus Caros the grandfather of the Detroit Coney Island those are Vidalia onions that is a fluffy bun mm. all yours what was the music stop where's the music thank you Downtown Detroit, the corner of Lafayette and Michigan Avenue. It's a red, white, and blue building right on the corner. Listen, by the way, get your Coney kits delivered now because when the holidays come, forget it. It's going to be quadruple the traffic. You might not even be able to get one. So go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. Okay, listen. I, I think I know what production I'm going to work on for next week. There you making go. this 30 minutes long. Now you can shove the dog in your face. I know. You yelled at me earlier for eating. That's because you're supposed to be prepping. I was prepped. No, Apparently not. I should have made, made this song 30 minutes long. <laughs> Just leave it there. And uh, you see what's going on with the stock market? Where's my stimulus? Where's the stimulus? Where's the check? Where's the PPP? We're dying out here. Maurice will tell you that the food line's a block long in Flint. It's a mile long in Detroit. The market's down. They're playing politics. What are you going to do if you've saved anything? You going to guess? No. No. I, all I know is overreaction. Is You're going to call Luke Nowacki. Not the best plan, yeah. Pinnacle Well, 248-663-4748. Rational financial advice. What do you do? I'm trying to figure out my pension. Oh, boy. My pension evaporated. Somebody else bought the pension. Uh, you got one. That's, that's well, I'm trying the, to find it. I can't find it. Well, the fact that you can even start to look for one is pretty amazing. Well, nowadays. you know what I'm having to do it? Luke Nowacki. There you go. Can you hunt down my pension, bro? He does it all. Not the, the pension plan, your mom, my mom, your bank, your household, your kids, college. Don't guess. <laughs> can you just thank you? You just take uh, your me. grubby fucking hands off the buttons. Okay. No, I had to put them on to back it up. Okay, stocks, bonds, 401k, college savings plan. Get advice, get a strategy. Call Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. And Maurice Davis, vice president of the Flint City Council, is Luke Nowacki's favorite oh, city really? councilman in America. That's beautiful. Yes. Ready for the disclaimer? Go. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names. Products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Boom. Now, Mr. Davis, I was going through the interview you gave to us two weeks ago, which launched you into this stratosphere of fame and infamy. And you did say that you would... Rework that security, that disclaimer for Luke Nowacki, right? You'll do that in a bluesy, bluesy manner for us? I'll get that to you. My volume jumped down. 
This okay. is fucked up. Okay. You said you would you would uh, give us a little blues rendition of this disclaimer for Luke Nowacki. You still into doing that for us? All I need is yes, lyrics. It ain't gonna take me long to do it. Okay, I'm gonna give you the lyrics, and we'll have that on next week. Now listen, why don't we play this? Let's let's play a clip. You spoke where this week? In Flint, Michigan, at the airport with Vice President Pence. Vice President Pence. So, two weeks ago. Your vice president of scrub ass Flint City Council. No one ever heard of you. Absolutely. You come on the No Bullshit News Hour with a very interesting political idea to close the liquor stores at nine to stop the violence. Yes. You let it casually slip that uh, you're going Trump. Yes. And then what happens? From there, from the popularity of your show, Charlie, it went viral. That's all I can say. It went viral. How viral? Well, as I checked, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, all of the Trump administration, uh, Breitbart, Fox News, Newsmax, all over the nation, all over the nation within that little span of time. And so within 13 days, like mostly people get 15 minutes of fame. You're on day 14 here. Yes. Okay. Uh, has it gone to your head? None at all. None at all. None. Zero percent. Do you? Are people mad? Listen, listen. I got you. Look, you're you're from a black city. You're a black man. Trump. Yes. Trump is anathema, in every which way to everybody in Flint, apparently. And then you come out, and you give them. See, one headline read this. This was crazy. Um, Trump scores another huge prominent African-American endorsement. First 50 Cent, and now Maurice Davis. And your own wife, Beverly's like, Maurice Davis? Right? So, yeah. what's the reaction in Flint to you lining up with Trump? Well, you know, by this being predominantly a black community, it's hate. When you push in one candidate, and they, clearly they say get out to vote, and the rally is moving forward right now. Because we're in the 11th hour of it. And then for somebody, the statue of the president, to even mention me in a Biden territory, it's not good for nobody here. And everybody in this community know Maurice Davis. And they, they know you to be a good, hardworking um, um, politician. Not a politician, a representative for the people. Yes, that yes, don't play. And I don't play. What are you saying, Karen? Public servant. You know, people have yes. forgotten that elected office is to be a public servant, not an elected official, not a politician. So we'll call you a public servant. Right. Now, but now all of a sudden in Flint, Michigan, I'm a bootlicker, I'm Uncle Tom, I'm a sellout, I'm everything but a child of God. But you made a good point in your speech. I listened to it, it did go viral. I think it had close to, if not just under a million views on Twitter. Over two and million, you, and you and you made a point uh, that you know you're you're questioning the um, responsiveness of Democrats to African Americans who have generationally, undeniably, and unquestionably supported that party, and what have they gotten in return? I mean, you raised that point. What's your response? Yes, yes, and you know, even when Biden said you ain't black. Unless you vote Democrat. And then to get out to vote, they say, go vote. 
It's not a vote if you black. That means we are dictated that we better vote black or they don't own you no more. And I done let the whole world down and I done deceived and just turned my back on my whole city. Okay, so look, you're, why don't we play the clip? Like, this is Maurice David. Look, come on, man. This is a, it's a Flint son here. All of a sudden, he's up. He's up at the vice president of the United States. Looking sharp as hell. He is looking sharp as shit. Relaxed as hell. I'd vote for Maurice, right? But they won't let him use the vice president's microphone. Wow, that's good for Maurice. I don't know if that's COVID or that's some Jim Crow shit, but either way, <laughs> they weren't letting you use the white man's microphone. <laughs> but so go ahead and play it. Play it. It's, it's actually quite I'm beautiful. Tired. I've been a Democrat. I am a Democrat all my life. 64 years. Last four years, I voted for Hillary Clinton. This year. I decided to go with President Trump. I'm not a bootlicker. I'm not an Uncle Tom. I'm none of those things. I'm somebody that's in a poor, impoverished community. President Trump, thanks to my good friend, Charles LaDuff out of Detroit. Hey. Ooh. Name drop. I was doing a piece on closing liquor stores early because I live inside of a crime scene right here in Flint. People are in foreclosure right here in Flint. People are losing everything. And when Mr. Trump said, what the hell you got to lose? He was talking to me. He was not talking to my seat. Only thing Maurice D. Davis got to lose is a council seat at $700 every two weeks. So... What you said to me that day, Maurice, because I, I, I just love a moment in time and I love a guy who's interesting and complicated and stands up for himself. You said Democrats promise everything and the next day they forget about you. The Republicans don't promise anything. They don't even talk to black people. And yeah. that Trump's a third party. That you're going Trump, but that you're a Democrat and everybody underneath Trump, you're going Democrat. Correct. Yes. So, yes. So what yes. you're what you're saying is what? What has Trump in four years brought to Flint? Well, what he brought, Charlie, is this. Every damn election, you get these politicians, including myself, knocking doors to get elected. I am elected and I am on the what you call leadership committee all the way from Gretchen Whitmer. I've been and I am in the back rooms. I know what goes on. And it's called the crumbs. And that's what get people elected down the I-75 corridor. And the people in the Democrat Party know what I'm talking about. When that money come, the leadership, they don't give a damn about the community. They give a damn about the crumbs that they're going to get to get somebody to the polls, including homeless people. Hell, that's out of order. People losing their houses. All they need, even with the census, I got a problem. You count people like school count days for the kids. They want to make sure the kids go to school that one day for the money. Damn that. Mm -hmm. People are dying. The COVID is real. They're politicking everything. Pretty soon, this United States is going to hell, and it won't be long, and they're going to see how serious this is. And, and that's just the way it is. It's all playing games with people. I 100% agree. It's not worth a damn. But whoever going to stand up and help poor folks, you got my attention.
well, it, like I said, did he promise anything? He's going to bring is is your if if Trump wins, do you think that's going to bring some much needed capital to the people of Flint? Do you really? Because again, four years, what you really got was box lunches in the last month. You got a stimulus check that everybody else got, and a couple of bucks from HUD. Let me tell you like this. We don't have a damn thing to lose. When Trump was a candidate, like I said, when he came to the water, in the height of the water crisis, yes, Obama came. They got over Radio here in Flint and said I was a, I was a lie. He didn't come to the north side. I, uh, uh, I helped Obama with the campaign he ran when he was getting elected before, you know, in times past. Trump came to the poor side of town. But at the same time, the mayor, when he came, said, you're not welcome. I'm just trying to simply say, Mr. Trump, whoever God used to bless poor folks, thank you. I'm not bigger than I got. God sent always a blessing. He always got compassion for the poor. To the least of these, you've done it unto me. I'm not elected for me. I'm elected to help people. 80, 90 years old, they have nothing. Trump, he got the power. The man just 80 years old and filthy rich. What the hell? Come on now, he don't have to do none of this. And then the love of the personal conversation from his administration. It's real. But life and death is in the power of the tongue. We're cursing ourselves with our own mouth. Maurice, to that point, um, he has been empowered the last four years. Um, have you seen anything? I mean, are you, are you disappointed he hasn't done anything in the four years that he's had already? Because I feel like he's almost running like he's a new candidate this time. No, sir. Let me tell you this. That crooked-ass media... They spend stuff just like they're spending it on me now. So I understand clearly what he was, what he going through. He's had four point some billion dollars allocated to infrastructure, capital improvements. But when it get down from the from the feds to the state to local, they do what they want to do. We had a hundred plus millions of dollars for our water repair. We still drinking poison water. People still in lines. People still dying from PFAS and every TTHMs and everything else in the water. Yep. That's what am I saying? The entitlements is what frustrates me of the Democrats. They treat us like crackheads. If you lift up the bottom, everybody goes up. Hell, if we don't do this, it's going to be a, a population of people that's going to their grave and already are going to their grave earlier than need to be. I think what's interesting is when you showed up to, to Bishop International Airport there, you and your wife, Beverly. Yes. Instantaneously. The black representation at that rally doubled. And when you came speaking like you spoke, you kind of stunned them. They were thinking, I, I'm not speaking for anybody there, but I had a vibe. Yeah, kind of like an Uncle Tom. And no, no, you weren't. You dropped the knowledge on them. You dropped the knowledge on them, the, the stuff they don't hear. You know what I mean? Because they, they left Flint. They don't know the reality of it. Let me tell a story and then jump in anywhere, Maurice. We're on the way to go see the vice president. Five o'clock sharp, says the invitation, right? Five o'clock, got to yeah. get through security and everything. It's five o'clock. We're driving through the second ward, north side, Maurice's place where he lives and represents. And there's a dog chained to a tree, an abandoned dog, all skin and skeleton, chained between an abandoned house and an abandoned field. And he and Beverly see this and they get out of the car and Maurice, you know, cause he's the councilman, vice president, he calls animal control and they can't come get the dog till the morning cause of budget cuts. Mm. 
The councilman can't get a dog, dangerous dog probably, picked up. So, vice president's cooling his jets. Does Maurice Davis say, hey, we got to get there. Fuck the dog. No, 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 no. Maurice Davis goes to the liquor store because there ain't no fucking grocery store nearby. He gets two cans of Alpo, one gallon of water, 516 on his debit card, and he drives back to the dog. And they feed the dog to get right up there, not afraid of the dog. Right? Yes, you're absolutely correct. I thought that was, see, that's what the media does not see. That I get what you're saying. I'm media, I'm the press, I love it, and I'm frustrated with them. Because did anybody, in this two weeks of your fame, brother, did anybody come visit and hang out with you? No. No. They, they just popped you no. on the TV, made you the electronified Negro. Forgive the, forgive the turn of phrase, but it's an old one here in Detroit. But let me t- say this. The narrative is Trump got skinheads and uh. KKK members. All over this nation, I promise you I'm not lying, all day long, all white folks from all over, Louisiana, you name it, all over this nation, we're praying for you. God bless you. I mean, so much love and warmth, it's, just, it's unreal. A gift from God is good and perfect and add no sorrow. But every black person, I was crucified. And as you can see, I'm not a bootlicker. That's why I resonate because I'm not a damn politician. I make my money off royalty checks. So I can speak my truth. So they so interested in them crimes that the Democrats doing, and I am one, and I've been one. All over the nation, we got to wake the hell up. 50, 50% of the white folks can vote whoever. Half of them vote for Trump, half of them vote for Biden. 91 damn percent of us, damn near have to vote what? Democrat. That's a slave and Uncle Tom mentality. Well, well you ain't getting nothing from the Republicans, dude. You know, you're not getting... African Americans in this country never got nothing at any time, really. And I know what people are saying. Uh, the, new, the new society, welfare, affirmative action. Yeah, crumbs. It's crumbs. That's not how this was structured, Charlie. I mean, this system was structured to maintain itself. Black people were brought to this country for a purpose. They continue to fulfill that purpose. And, you know, that's not to say that a few people have not elevated themselves or allowed to have been elevated. That's not to say that the opportunity may not exist. It may exist, but it exists with the opportunity of pushback when people are able to make personal decisions to hold people back based on the color of their skin. That is a reality. And for us to pretend that a policy from anybody is going to change that is unrealistic. You know, I've been saying all along, not Democratic, not Republican, but we at some point have to look at the fact. You know, I was watching the CNN documentary on John Lewis, and he said, we've been going across this bridge. We've marched across the Pettus Bridge for 50 years. And it hit me. Black people have been marching and asking for the same things for for the longest. What has been returned? Not enough. And we're continuing to follow that carrot before the horse. I'm not saying vote for Trump. I'm not saying vote for Biden. I'm saying we need to look at this and separate the performative conversation and actions from the realities yes. that we have to live every day. Well, uh, yeah, you know, look, uh, Maurice, that's, you know, the, the thing is this. Slavery's over 150 years. 
pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get going. That's an awful tall shank on a boot to have to pull yourself up. Nobody, almost nobody gets out of Detroit. You can't pull yourself up if you don't own that. Whoever owned the land owned the gold. And then you can't own land because you got to pay taxes. It's not right. And it's the dialogue that needs to happen from the so-called leadership, fake politicians that get in office that could make a difference. Because there should not be. Mass don't vote to have no many over man. It's supposed to be over the fish and sea file of the air. Shit, my, bro my brother lives in Flint. You're my brother. You live in Flint. Eric May's my brother. He lives in Flint. I got sisters in Flint. They didn't cause the water crisis. And nobody there got rich under bonds. Nobody there made the decision to poison. It's the same here in Detroit. It's the same in New York. I covered yes. L.A. It's the same. You know yes. what I'm talking about, Phoenix. And yes. you know what? It is a time a guy like you reach over because that cracker, again, forgive my lingo, he's getting fucked and she's getting fucked and we better get together on the street here because it's going away. I, I agree. You're absolutely correct, Charlie. Maurice. Karen, absolutely right. She is. Maurice, you know, after having you on and listening to you, I, you're incredibly genuine, but do you ever have fear that you might just be used as a pawn? Token. If I'm getting used, use me if my voice could change anything. Because, like I said, I got a niece laying in the graveyard from Legionnaires from this water. Mm. The suffering is unreal. I haven't been affected by the COVID myself. Mm. And it's real. And if we don't do something, we're annihilating. This here, and it's not a flint. It's Detroit. It's the whole nation. We the, we the head. I mean, we the tail. The Bible said, look, we're supposed to be the head, not the tail. How in the world did so-called church let us be the tail? Something is wrong. Everything in the world is back open except the black churches. Something is clearly wrong. Where's the real leadership? Don't let politics trick you. You got to be a man enough to stand up for something to e even start the dialogue. And all I want to do is start the dialogue. After you made your comments and um everyone reached out to you from uh, the right did anybody in the state from the democratic party try to get you back yes 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 how did they put it did they say marie shut the fuck up some of them said fuck you some of them said why are you but then in five to ten well a couple minutes they understand clearly what the hell i'm saying because they tired of suffering and then they apologize. Even this morning, just for your broadcast, animate supporters of the other side, the Biden side. I, I'm with you, but people are scared. So clearly, they a lot of people voting for Trump, black folks, but they scared. The threats. They even said, Charlie, when I left, you called me. I got jumped at a liquor store passing out Trump yeah. to try to make a joke out of it. This is serious. The president yeah. don't spend time. It was weird. Anything. That's how weird it was. I happened. I left him after after the the rally. Yeah. I'm driving home. I'm, my phone's blowing up. Maurice just got his ass beat at the liquor store. I call. I call his phone. Yeah. Nothing. I'm like, oh no. About ready to flip it back around. I call his other phone. He goes, what's going on? I go, I heard you just got the shit beat out. He goes, I'm still at the airport. I'm like, oh. wow. Huh. See how that goes. See how the everything is just look, let's do this. Let me just say, man, this has been fuck everybody, you can hear me. I, I love Maurice and I, I more love his wife. You're my kind of people. 
He is a working man. He's an auto worker. He's a man of God. He's for the people. So he's, he's making a choice as a man can make a choice. He's still voting Democrat. He's voting local. He's voting congressional. Let's just have room for each other. Again, <laughs> my mom is voting Trump. Oh, outside, Maurice, when I was leaving, those scrappy fucking left-wing anarchist dudes, like they got the, they got the megaphones in there, like, fuck Trump, with all those MAGA hats going, fuck Trump. And I'm like, hey, have you guys considered third party? And all of a sudden, they're getting hostile. I go, I'm third party. I'm, I'm, I got my own point of view, you know, and I, nobody's serving it. And they're like, just fuck Trump. And I go, yeah, but my mom's going to vote Trump. Am I supposed to hate her? And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, can't hate your ma. I thought it's, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I, I'm living for such an experience. I don't get what that solves anyway. Everybody calm down and love one another or respect one another. And, and listen. And even if Trump doesn't, if you feel he doesn't, that doesn't mean that you follow suit. That's my thought. Maurice, let me do this because we got more to go to. Respect. Yeah. Um, do you drink? <laughs> Not really, Charlie. I don't. Yeah, Luke Nowak, you wanted to give me a bottle of the nice stuff. I said, the guy's actually got a podcast on Saturdays. It's a it's a religious show, kind of, with a couple of F-bombs in it. So, yeah, yes. That yes. shirt right there fixed the shit. Compliments to Luke Nowacki. Y'all the best, Charlie. Y'all the best. I we, thank you. Thank you. And you know, we are. We're, you, did you notice the power of the No Bullshit News Hour? Oh, I thank y'all. <laughs> Like I said, right by and all I'm looking, listening, y'all. Hey, wow. Oh, listen. I think it all started right here on NBN News. I knew uh, Andy Breitbart. Still got, he died. I got his, I got his phone, number of my phone. And he was too afraid to do shit. And he'd give me stuff. And I'm like, I, I, I don't, I don't look at life like you do, Brighty. But yeah, whatever you got, if it's true, I'll see what I could do. But the power of NBN, you're from the basement <laughs> to the podium, lower level, baby. Lower level. The lower studio. Level. <laughs> right? He went from the basement, lower level studio to the big shit show. It was great. <laughs> and he laid it out, man. I love you, dude. Before we go, tell us the very last word in the Bible, New Testament. It's amen, and then everyone step off into eternity. Everything you see, touch, and feel is temporal. Make sure you make the right choice because this life is just like a dream. You ain't taking nothing with you. Make the right choices. Amen. Now hard cut him out. <laughs> Amen. There he is off to eternity. Did you throw him off? <laughs> he's gone, yeah. That's great. He's, he's still there. What a dude. I love the guy, <laughs> he's a good man. Guy. He's a great guy. He speaks his heart, man. He's a thinking man. But you know what, Charlie? This is a thing. And I'm reading some of the comments and somebody says, Karen, you're a racist. First of all, oh! I'm not a racist. Oh. All. I mean, far from it. But at the end of the day, we have to also understand, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, you can't look to the people who created the problems to solve them. Our issues lie within within our hearts and within ourselves. And we'll oh, keep the conversation going. You have too much class. It's just, hey, man, fuck you. That is the nastiest thing. Second really nasty, second nastiest like, thing racism, that you could really? call somebody in this country today. So whoever you are, that's a lie. That's defamation. You're small-minded. And fuck you. Yeah. I don't need you. If you're going to be part of this community, then we all get to speak how we speak so we can reflect honestly what our community is. That's bullshit. 
And why are they calling you a racist, Karen? I don't know. Well, somebody else said I'm just a pain in the ass. So I guess that's an improvement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's get on with let's get on with no, the show. But it's wait a fun. minute. What a piece of ass. Seriously. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like your partner, whether it's male or female, is your piece of ass. And you want some toughness. You want some stress. You want some caressing. You want a friend. Of course you're a pain in the ass because you're a quality human. You only wish. Shit. Hey, you know what, though, Charlie? It's all good. I am always open for a difference of opinion and perspective. Always. I don't expect everybody to agree with me or you or Mark or anybody else. So let's have it. Let's talk about it. But you can't just throw accusations out there if you can't back it up. Fucking racist. I, I'm, I'm more mad than you are. That's bullshit. Man, come on. Okay, it's all right. Hey, look, you go vote your way. I'll vote my... And I'm still respecting it. And I love Karen. Racist. And I love you, Charlie. Racist. She's multiracial. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with people? It's uh, pretty weak. (laughs) You know what? Listen, my biggest issue is with the government, like Maurice said. You can't get anything done, right? They want to be in your pocket. Police won't come. Or you have trouble with the police. Or the police have trouble, don't have equipment. Don't have the new technology. Nobody's, listen, you have a business and the governor's got arbitrary rules whether they work or not. Are you on the hook when the governor says you own a restaurant? You must take everybody's name and number? I don't know. I'm a libertarian. I don't like it. I don't like the Patriot Act. I turn all the locators on my phone off. That's my choice. What if you don't like it? What if you're having trouble? You can't navigate it. I'm going to tell you what you do. ADR consultants. They are experts. (laughs) Procurement, government compliance, information technology, property management. Are they experts at segues? Because that was a pretty perfect segue. Thank you. That was that was beautiful. You know what's going to happen? By me pointing it out, made it worse. So I should just. You know what's going to happen? It's coming. We can't pay our bills. There's an election going on, and they're going to let us starve while they play. You can't pay rent. You're going to go, and you know it. And you're the landlord, and you can't really just rip them out of there. What do you do? You call ADR, and you do it right. You do it the right way. Hear me. If you're not calling today, put this number on your fridge. 248-318-9424. Barry Ellentuck is the president and CEO. He's honest. He's ethical. He's smart. You all know we don't have scumbags representing or advertising on this show. These are family. These are supporters. Write the number down. ADR Consultants, 248-318-9424. Yes. Speaking of which, one more before we get to Smitri <laughs> and this really dynamite project she's doing. If you're going to refi, look at me. It's LaDuff. Take that shit down. It's no wacky. Look at me. Take that down. Take that down. For those looking, look at me. Look at me. You don't need to see her. Then we'll put the number up. Look. Look at me. I don't get shit wrong. I'm not making money on this. For you know, I'm going to use it to pay all the other people. If you're going to refi, do it now. They're at the low. They're at the low. 
things are going to start doing this. Mm. Listen to me. Rates are still at an all-time low. This is what I'm to read from David Hall. Listen closely what he's saying. Rates are still at an all-time low. If your current mortgage is above 3.5, what are you waiting for? Listen to the math. You could be saving money. And currently at Hall Financial, almost 70% of all loans do not require an appraisal. Either that's a cash buy in a new house or he's talking refi. Call Hall Financial today to see if you qualify for a no appraisal loan. If for some reason your loan does not require an appraisal for the month of November only, hear me, month of November only, Hall Finance is going to pay it for you, your appraisal, up to $500. Huh, why not? Do it. You don't have to do anything. Get the appraisal. Doesn't mean you got to go through with it. Free appraisal, Hall Financial. My brothers and sisters out there, don't get caught. Don't get caught with a note that's too high. You know what I mean? I talked to Luke, man. I got a really nervous outlook. I'm a very conservative person. I feel the only way to make money is to earn it. I'm not a huge investor, okay? Bring your notes down. Here's a way to do it. Believe it or not, closing times have sped up again. Right now, the majority of loans at Hall Financial are closing in 10 business days or fewer. So before I read this, ladies and gentlemen, for you, this is the news. I called a big dude I know in the real estate world. And you know I've been all over this continent. Here's the deal. It's so hot right now, people trying to get a house and get the hell out of their circumstance, they're coming with 50 grand cash over the asking price. Cash. So you need... A mortgage person that's going to get your deal done quickly or you're out. You're out. Somebody going to jump the line because they got it right now. So why go to somebody else doing it in 20, 30 days? Get it done in 10, in 9, Hall Financial. Just go to their website. Click on the Hall Financial link to get started. DavidHallMortgage.com. <laughs> that's DavidHallMortgage.com. Or call, put this on your fridge, 248-308-5000. Hall Financial. Lower payments, better options, more personal attention, NMLS number 147435. Huh. And that wasn't, I gave him some stuff. <laughs> was, yeah. I know, but I gave stuff because, again, I'm not just doing it to make some money and stand in a lower level. No, I try to save every dollar you can right now. Because I'm not just going to talk shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Didn't we talk about this before, Charlie, before the first wave hit? We told everybody, regardless of how much money you did or did not make, pay attention to it. You know, try to figure out how to take those two dollars and turn it into two thousand. Try to be conservative. Look at refinance. And we've been talking this for a long time. It's too so late. This is new. It's too late, man. I, I got something's upon us. Something's upon us. And it's been we we're seeing 2008 play out which started in 2000. We're seeing it. We've been borrowing and borrowing and playing and printing money and quantitative easing, and it's back. So which, let me introduce, please, Smitri Kashari, who is launching a new project, I guess I'd call it. It's called Disintegration. It's a, is it a film? It's, it's a two-hour documentary, but what it does... Smith, you just tell us. 
Well, it's it's great to be on the show, and it was great to hear the interview with you and Maurice. I, I love his music. Um, he's got a great song called Ain't Got No Money, so anyone who's listening still <laughs> should, should check that out. Um, so every single day since the 2016 election, I started collecting a single headline from the New York Times, which is my local newspaper, on Donald Trump's presidency. Um, and the main reason for me was it was to remember what was going on so I wouldn't forget because I wanted to know how did we get to this point and where are we going? And I wanted to be able to see the patterns. Um, and now, four years later, we've come to this point where there is this really intense symbiotic relationship between Donald Trump, between the media and us. And we're all living in this paradox, which is essentially the way I think of it is almost like a war of the words, where the new front lines are the headlines. And so instead of like swords and bombs and guns, we are all, it's the fight for the attention of, of people. And we all know that human attention is this like scarce commodity, but media organization are now jockeying for our attention. But the way that it's happening is that we're getting so much news that it's an assault of news stories that are being delivered to us at a speed that we've never had before. And so before you can even make sense of what's going on, the next day brings on something else. And it's made us all into addicts also. There's this addictive nature of the impact of the newsroom on America's nervous system. So we've, you know, censorship in the past was not having enough information. And now there's this overabundance of information that it's all just this noise. It's this, I think of it as almost like the censorship through noise. And the, I think, disintegration in so many ways is four years condensed into two hours, showing the relentless coverage, the complete overdose, that kind of toxic saturation of both Donald Trump and of the media's role in getting us to this point, so and what, as well as you, us. I mean, we have a role in it too. What you did, if I, well, who, what the fuck is that in the background? Someone moving around. Who is it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, everybody sit still. Where's that, that music? That's eerie. That music. That music. Yeah, it's Halloween. That's red. <laughs> so what you did is you, uh, the the clip we played is not really. What it is, it's 1,460 headlines. Each gets about five seconds, right? With a bed Correct. of music, yeah. right? So what you did to me was you took, what the hell is that? <laughs> That's the music from the teaser. Right. <laughs> Explain the music. It is very eerie. Ah. <laughs> Smitri, what is the music? Mm. So what I've done with the film in itself is the it's a single headline every single day. So it's 1,460 headlines from every day. You took the New the York Times and made him Twitter. created by a British musician. His name's Matthew Herbert. Mm -hmm. And he... Should I talk over yeah, that? Go ahead, just go come ahead. on just now. On. Just let it. It's just a shitty podcast from a basement. <laughs> Lower level. I did that, Karen, waiting for you to do that. Okay. So <laughs> the the composer is. The music in itself, yeah, is Matthew Herbert. And basically, he we talked a lot about the way that he approaches music is looking at creating a sound world 
that speaks to the entire process of the creation of something, the production, the distribution, the broadcast. He made an album called One Pig that, for example, takes the entire process of, of a pig from birth to, to the plate. And it's all the sounds that take you through that. So he wanted to really approach this and take a piece of music that was produced during the presidency. So it's the Star Spangled Banner um, so that's, stretched over the that's course the Star of Spangled two Banner hours. you were hearing stretched. Oh, really? This oh, is like so basically you took heavy. you took the New York Times headlines and you turned them into Twitter. And you took the Star Spangled Banner and you stretched it like Warhol doing his eight hour film on the Empire State Building. So what you created was this odd piece of art that I think is probably going to be a very important encapsulation, a timepiece of what we lived through. Because I saw your trucks. You have the film going around cities in America. It's the show part of it. It was in Flint the day I went with Maurice. It was at the it was at the uh, police department, mm -hmm. and I think it's so confusing because we gave equal weight to Melania's heels mm -hmm. and the Ukrainian foreign yeah. minister and shithole, and it got to be so much that nothing's of meaning anymore. Is that the vibe you got putting it together? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly one of the things in the beginning, it felt like drowning, because there was just so much going on. And I, I want to make a point that this isn't about the left or the right. And it's not about painting Donald Trump or the New York Times as a hero, or an antagonist. It's more about showing this new like system that we're in that it's just this complete barrage, like one after another, after another, after another. And we as audiences have also been pawns in this. And we all know that change always happens from a small group of people having a dedicated message and dedicated action again and again and again. But instead of being able to focus on that, we've just been caught in this barrage of headlines. I mean, it's seeped into every aspect of even all of our lives, every dinner table, every conversation. Everyone is right now, I don't know about you guys, but you know, America's right now the currently the third most depressed country in the world. And we're all in the state of paralysis. Who's we're just more like depressed than us? Yeah. Each moment's <laughs> passing headline. Who's more depressed than us? Suriname? <laughs> I don't remember. Question. I'll find that and let North, you know. North Korea? I don't know. <laughs> well, when, when you think about the impact of headlines, too, and people yeah. are running from headline to headline to headline, even Twitter now, if you just try to pass on or share or copy a link without opening it, you know, you get a message now, wait a minute, you need to read it. So we are moving that quickly to the point where a lot of people aren't reading, aren't paying attention to anything other than the headline. Exactly. It's actually the psychological impact of the headlines that are having more of an effect than the news itself. It's like, we think that we need to know the news, but that's not it's not information in the same way. And look what and you when did. you see as, as Charlie, you were saying about, you know, Melania's um, shoes or about fashion labels or even about, you know, the stormy Daniels, uh, like how much of all of this, and I'm not saying that it isn't important because some things are, but what is important to you? Like I care about nuclear weapons. So I, I want to know about the Iran deal, you know, but how much of these like specific things are important to you? And that's, that's at the heart of this. When you look at four years condensed into two hours, it shows you this toxic, like 
saturation that we've gone, that it's made us into addicts. But now the speed of it is coming at a speed that we've never had before because, mm. because of the advent of technology. Well, as you said, I, you know, I'm, I'm fully guilty of it. It's like, uh, like ice cream. I love ice cream. You keep putting it in front of yeah. me. I'm going to keep eating it and eating it and eating it. Just like every, um, story about any political story. I just, yeah. You're poisoned. I can, dude. I know. Uh, you, I know. You are. It's, right. it's really hard to talk to you. Can at least be self-aware. <laughs> no, but, but it's really hard to talk to you uh, because you, you start doing that. You start burrowing down into headline, headline, headline. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, now I guess I'm exhausted by the noise in general. So maybe I'm maybe I'm at the point of exhaustion. But my question for Smitri is: uh, Does will people sit down and watch two hours of this? Because it's almost exactly proving the point that you're putting mm-hmm. out there is that yeah, we want to see all these headlines condensed down into two hours. The the truth is is that question. I think one of the things that the arts does really well is be able to wake up people into into the reality that they're living it to be able to present things in a different light. And I, and I think in so many ways, we've just been, there's this new, like, I think of it as a new warfare in a way, you know, we don't fight war in the same ways as before. We don't use bombs and guns and swords. We're now just using headlines. Well, let's do and this. So though, let's do this. For people to be able to see that and wake up to that. This is, you know, a, I think that's really at the heart of it. This is a commentary on Trump though. And you can't dodge that because Everything in this film has to do with Trump. There's no Dodgers win the World Series, for instance. So you are making a political statement about media, light speed, gigabytes, and Trump. True? Here's the thing. Like, the... The, the headlines themselves are lifted from the New York Times, and it was Ooh. never my like goal or intention or question to paint Trump or the New York Times in a particular light. And as I was in New York and I was in Scranton this week, and the reaction was really revelatory. Some people saw it, and for them, it was a celebration. For them, it was a sense of all of the accomplishments that they had. So depending on your political leaning, this is a celebration or it's a requiem. And well, that is really the point of view of the of the people who are receiving it. That's a piece of art. About that's a is piece this of right art. or wrong? Piece of art. S- sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to say that's a piece of art. That's exactly you gave me room to look at the picture. You just gave me the mm-hmm. headline. Awesome. Go ahead. Mike. Well, I I don't know how you would figure this out, but out of the fourteen hundred and sixty headlines, how many are deemed? positive or had a very positive spin to it because i think everybody's natural reaction is that they're all going to be negative because it's the new york times yes you'll have to see it yeah i think that's the thing yeah you definitely have to see it i mean there's some of them that um like people don't remember that it, his first state of the union address he actually had a message of hope and unity right um, Whoa, Obama? people remember how they felt during the Kavanaugh hearings. People forget about the shutdown. You forget that you, know, there was an impeachment. If I, if you ask people, I did you know, when that. was the impeachment? I, I think the it would shutdown. be hard to remember that. I forgot the shutdown. The impeachment was this year. I, for, I, I forgot the shutdown. It. Yeah. Well. That was the biggest. You're right. This. Okay. Look, we got a lot to do. It's awesome. Where and when can we see it? When's it opening? By the way, let me say it again. Disintegration. Mm-hmm. What's the subtitle? Nothing. It's headlines are front lines. Headlines are front lines. It's going to open in theaters, I'm assuming, soon? Yeah. We're still figuring out theaters because, as you know, this was originally meant to be in stages and theaters. And we are in the world of uh, 
of not going to theaters. So that's why we had the film on trucks and it's been um, across the U S this week. We're opening at, um, at BAM this weekend in, in New York and it's going to be on a billboard. You mean the and Brooklyn Academy of music from the there, Brooklyn Academy of music, the Brooklyn Academy of music. Nailed yeah. it. I used to live in New York. I used to write for the New York times. Yeah. I'm here for the new. No, it's fucking look. Um, I want to be able to see it here, and I want to take my people to it. I, I, I really do believe, and excellent. You stayed Definitely. out of it. You got, oh, by the way, the composer also, did he do the soundtrack for La La Land? The music director was part of, yeah, was involved in La La Land. Yeah. This is no clown. This is no. Do you like that film? No, but I watched it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Okay, the music was probably the best part. Yeah, the, I'm just it, saying, just fantastic. You, you know, it would have been better if they would have had headlines only. <laughs> yeah, those L.A. headlines <laughs> from the L.A. Times, but from nobody reads that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in 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 Michigan, in in L.A., where and when can we see it? You don't know yet. Yes or no? Um, so it was just this week on trucks in uh, in Detroit and Flint, and we're and we're trying to figure that out as we speak. It was really um, cold. I, I couldn't sit so there. I will let you know, hours. Charlie. You'll be the first phone call. Okay. Once we once um, once you do know, I will let all of our people know and send me your address. We're going to get you Thank to fix you. the shit. It's nonpartisan. You want fix what you want fix. The headline is fix the shit. Everybody, Shmitri Kashari, the new film disintegration, two hour documentary on the headlines of. The life and times of President Donald J. Trump. Really smart idea. And not to be patronizing, I'm proud of you, and I wish I would have thought of it. <laughs> mm, thank you. Talk to you. It's great to be on the show. Yeah, it was. It was great. All right. Bye. Bye. And send me your address. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Roll. Roll. Ixnay. You guys remember Ixnay? Because we're all yes. over the place here. The founders. No, of the creative founders of Trump. Remember, they were on. Yes. We had Gavin McInnes, the founder of the Proud Boys, that Facebook, hey, Facebook, are you listening? Fuck you. Why'd you pull it off? You pulled it down. Gross. You pulled it down. They took that video down. Why? He had his chance. The, Why, Karen? Why? Was that the, the, that was the guy that had the dildo, right? Yeah. That was, that was terrible, Charlie. Yeah, you didn't but, need to wait, see did that. Karen report us? Yeah, Karen did. No. Karen reported us. <laughs> I, I'm no I'm a, snitch. No, I did not. <laughs> you're, you're not a snitch. You're a racist. Yeah, you're oh a racist snitch. I'm a you're racist, racist snitch. <laughs> Listen, wait, was that? I want you to go back. Was that a white person calling a black person a racist? <laughs> I think it was. Well, it was, it was, on it was one, of these, one, of these, one of these fuckers from Ann Arbor who marches around going Black Lives Matter calling you a racist. <laughs> what a Probably. fucking I don't thing. Know. But you know, people like to do stuff. They can just say whatever. It's all good. Yes, I'm not offended. I got a thick skin. I'm good. Just say it. <laughs> Stupid. Meet you at Mac and Bewick, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, play the A hey, Trace. You're listening? <laughs> I'm not playing all two and a half, bro. I can give you one minute. I was tired of this winning We've been losing too long Maga pushing from beginning Was time for Trump to be gone With every day I could be feeling A thought crept into my head Instead of burning down D.C. I wrote these lyrics instead Feel like subpoena colliders 
There you go. Sorry, Trace. I know I've been saying for weeks I play it, but I'm just going to be honest. It's not that good. <laughs> I was trying to get out of it. <laughs> well, when I hear that song, the only parody thing I think of is if you like Penis Alada. I'm sure everyone's heard that one, right? No, we what? have not, Mark. No one's heard not that, that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, if you like Penis Alada. Who doesn't, or, or right? Dildo Alada, but you, they're going to pull that <laughs> off the air. That's... uh uh. Uh, Jason Mohica, Trace Crutchfield, uh, former brain trust artistic drivers behind Vice, who started a super PAC, Ixnay and Trump. Hey, man, it's okay. We got everybody on here. Ixnay and Trump. Anybody but Trump. They were good people. Great people. Yeah. And what a great idea to start a super PAC. Anybody can start a super PAC, raise some money, and just hammer candidates you don't like. Or make commercials about candidates you do like. And what is a political commercial cost on, say, Fox 2? 500 bucks? Is, is it that much? Yeah, so look, no, I, it's, but I'll tell you one I thing. Inventory is gone yeah. on radio and television. Everything is political. And the stations are loving it because they haven't been making the kind of money that they did once mm-hmm. upon a time. So they're eating this up right now. They're making money, pushing um, you know, programming, condensing programming to accommodate all the commercials. So, and, and really not not really delving into anything because all they really want to do is pander to you. Look, I don't want to be pandered to. No matter what my political leanings are, I want the truth. I want the fucking truth. You are getting it, Charlie. But we're not doing <laughs> political commercials here, but we now might work with the Ixnay because of their artistic drive. I like the idea. I want to raise half a million bucks and take the no bullshit news hour and jam it on TV during the news and blow up their news coverage because it's stupid. We should run a spot. We, oh, there you go. What? I wonder if they'd accept it eh, for the show. Oh, do you mean advertising us? Yeah, why not? Why don't we buy? It's called a, t- a commercial. Why don't we buy a TV spot? Because Yeah, of course. They'll, they'll do that every day of the week. That's what they do. No. It's not about the news. It's what, what, what the media does is the, um, delivers an audience to the advertiser. Sure. The product is either I Love Lucy or Duggan's Prop N or whatever it is. Let's be honest about it. It's about making money. Now, having said that, tomorrow's Halloween and the Count, Red Baron, (laughs) is live from the crypt on tape. And this is Detroit comedian Red and his Halloween look at the silliness of Detroit. Good evening, ghouls and goblins. It's me, Count Red Bearing, here to talk to you about the scary 2020. That's right, 2020 has been very scary, even for vampires. I haven't had a decent meal since January. Do you know how hard it is to bike a net and social distance at the same time? <laughs> It's so scary with the COVID running around in 2020. We vampires are more afraid to get coughed on than we are to be burnt by the sunlight. 2020 has been so scary. Let me tell you, I haven't been able to sneak up on anyone and get a clear meal. Back in the old days, you just pop up or you give them the stare. (laughs) 
and then BAM! It's dinner time! Now you have to take them to CVS and wait two to three days for a COVID test to come back. <sighs> 2020 has been a very stressful year for me as a vampire because it's an election year. I haven't had any decent sleep since January. All day long my phone rings. Are you registered to vote? Are you going to vote? Are you going to vote early? Look here, lady. I've been dead since 1866. I shouldn't even be on the vote roll. <laughs> Election years are already scary for us vampires and stressful as well. Because we know there's going to be a shortage of blood once the real blood suckers come out. Like this guy. Mayor Mike Duggan. <laughs> Who wants to get another $250 million after blowing $100 million to do the same job? <laughs> 2020 has been a very scary, stressful year for Count Red bearing with the COVID and the election. But nothing has been more scarier than what I'm about to show you. It was so scary, it sent chills to my bones. Prepare yourself for the scariest moment of 2020! <laughs> Charlie the Dove taking his shirt off in the studio! Oh my God, Charlie, what are you doing? This has been the 2020 scary, stressful Halloween! Red Baring is saying, Deuces! <laughs> Oh my god! He's not, the, sc he's not the scariest great. vampire, though. He's I'll give him that. Fucking awesome! That's my man. That's my man. Hey, now you know what, Charlie? He's going to be the next one that the world steals from us. Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. Look, you know, I mean, if you well, he do, deserves it. If you do love one another, you're just trying to help one another, man. I don't know about you yeah. all out there, but I want my brothers to do well. I want my sisters to do well. I do, and if they do well, I do well. Then I know cool people That's instead of ne'er do wells. That's how we got to look at it, Charlie. And too many people don't. You know, your success is my success and vice versa. And we have to really uplift each other. I mean, we do. That's 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 how we solve this problem. Nah, fuck them. Anybody call you a racist? I'm not lifting them. Fuck you. All right. Here's the new segment <laughs> that I just invented with Mark like 75 minutes ago. What's it called, Mark? I'm not going to say I told you so. but I'm not going to say I told you so. But... <laughs> Prop hey, wait a minute. We invented that 75 minutes ago. What do you mean? We. The yes, team. The you team. said you and Mark. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to be associated with a racist. <laughs> <laughs> or a snitch. Uh, or a snitch. Dang, okay. <laughs> Proposition N. No for N. It's a hustle. Listen, Deadline Detroit, my good friend Violet over at Deadline Detroit, Plotted all the stat, all the numbers. Da 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 da. Got the got the map. Got the PDF. Got the properties. Basically, we're spending fifteen thousand dollars to rehab a house that lasts sold for five hundred bucks. What a stupid idea! Why are we doing it, Mike? You know why we're doing it, Mike. And if you read the Wall Street Journal today, go find it, people. There were only 1,700, 1,700 mortgages in Detroit last year. Really? That's it. And 40% of huh. them went to white people. They can track that. Downtown. Downtown. Sure. 
Okay. Uh, that's not surprising. Right? The other 60% went to black people downtown and around the city. But what it shows is it, whites are 10% of the less than 10% of the city's population. Yep. You see where the growth pattern's going. Sure. Right? Now, one third of the city, one third of the whole city, not one mortgage was issued. Not one. Wow. And another wow. third of the city, five mortgages are less. They, they divide them up by zip codes. Yeah. Okay. Five mortgages are less. So the bulk of the shit. Oh, in the, in the biggest zip code, it's five or less outside of those? One third of the city yes. zip codes gotcha. had not one mortgage. Gotcha. Not dead. Dead. That's incredible. Another third had five mortgages or, or less. less. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So you know where this is happening. Yeah. Down, downtown. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. man, I, I don't know, Cranes. I don't know what you... Very interesting. Told you so. You mm -hmm. wrote that that skyscraper won't be done now till 2024. See, folks? See, folks? Told you so. I'm telling you, call Luke and call Hall. Look at me! Get busy. This is not a joke. Give me the whoop, whoop, because these don't work. Give me the, give me the emergency. Give me the... There you go. You're like, like fucking reminds me of Shadow Bower, <laughs> I'm slowly morphing into him. Okay, here's the... What is the name of this segment? I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm not going to say I told you so, but... Right. State appellate court denies... Benson's appeal to ban open carry at boating booth. It's legal. It's legal. 75% of Michiganders don't like you bringing your firearm, your big gun, to the polls. I'm one of them. I got a, I got a concealed uh, uh, pistol license. So does Karen. Right? I don't like it. But I ain't telling you no. It's not my place. We have a representative democracy. It's a republic. We all negotiate it out. The law says you can if it's not a church or a school that bans firearms because some, some schools allow firearms. One person cannot abrogate the law. It was dumb. It created an issue that didn't need to be there. I told you this was going to happen, but I now know how they make Lemonade out of lemons. Watch this. I'm going to tell you again. Because Twitter, TV, the press, they're going to go to Supreme Court anyway. Fuck it. We're getting headlines out of this shit. We're getting headlines out of this shit. 75% of the people are with us. Yes. We got headlines. Maybe the legislature flips in this election, and only now are you figuring out maybe we can use it to get the law changed. In a year from now. But if you really meant for this to you, you happen. You really think they're playing that long game? No, I think. Yeah. I, and oh, they're they're probably yeah. listening and I'm letting you know what you what should do. What to do. do. Yeah. Because if you really meant this, you would have thought about it six months ago. But no. Oh, it's it's those goofballs in the bottom of a vacuum repair store. You know what I mean? We got to neutralize this threat so nobody can have their gun. It's dumb. We don't like that. We don't like that in America. And I know the liberal one's going to call me a racist or whatever, or a goober or whatever. No, I'm a libertarian. There's things I don't like, but there's a process. I don't like an autocrat. That's why it's developed the way it has. If that's what they do, I would say there's more pressing issues I'd rather they get to. Right on. <laughs> Thank you. But, but since when have those ever been prioritized? Do it properly. I don't like the little three 
grabbing the Constitution yeah, and just running. I'm sorry. It's a little three. If, if Trump was doing three? this. Yeah. I, I, know, I know the three you're talking about. Come I on, man. Mm-hmm. I, no government. You all know me. No government runs over us. But I like good government. I like good representatives. What would you call Maurice? Karen? Public? A public servant. Yes. Yeah, it's public. And you know what? A couple people commented that they see him around Flint picking up trash, you know, that he's sure. really kind of out in the community. So, you know, his commitment does resonate with at least some of the um, residents in Flint. Maurice, 64 years old. He's uh, an elder. He knows what he, come on, man. We can put him down. He don't know shit. You know, pr- half you don't compare. The guy gets, the guy's a beautiful musician. Mm-hmm. He's made his money. Oh, I'm going to tell you real quick. He owns some property in the second ward, right? Some storefront. He's got a field with a community stage that he built. He cares for it. Across the street is a school. Developers, code word developers coming in. They're going to do stuff. And they want to buy his property. He's going to make his money. But he won't sell his property. Because if he sells his property, the property values go up. And then everybody struggling with foreclosure is going to be put over the precipice. So he doesn't want to sell. It's, uh, I know it's interesting. Well, it's incredibly interesting. He doesn't sound terribly selfish. Yeah. I mean, so many people are. And we, we talked about the finances of it. And I know you can, you can tweet and do stuff. It's crazy, too. But the, the heart's good. I've, I've not but, known But that's guy. the thinking, Charlie, about the decisions that you make and how they impact people other than yourself. That's what people have to think about. Like, yeah, maybe he could make, you know, half million dollars. But what is what are the implications of that sale? And that's what everybody has to think about. It's not just how it impacts us immediately. Yeah. And guess what the White House wanted to do? Sign a release for his image so they could put him in commercials. Of course. Well, he, he said, fuck no. He said, fuck no. Good. No, I speak for myself. You don't speak for me. Beautiful. Good. Uh, come on, man. There's room in this country. You better make room because ain't nobody getting off the tip. Mm-mm. What's the name of the segment? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, wait. I'm not going to. I already forgot. <laughs> I'm not going to say I told you so. Uh, okay. Not going to say I told you so, but here we go. Because Michigan's seeing an explosion in COVID cases, Governor Whitmer's health department, not her, because they took her power, so it's coming through the health department. Like I told you. Told you so. You should have done it that way. But here's the cockamamie shit. And I know. Wait, 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 you treacly, treacly nanny people. I, I got an answer for what you're thinking. Okay, so now the department decrees that restaurants must harvest the names and phone numbers of customers. If not, the establishments will be fined $1,000. So the question is, will customers be tracked by the government? Will they? I mean, will they? I don't know. You you must be. Isn't that illegal? I don't know. You must lay this. See, because here's the thing. When you're like, you're so selfish. No. In Oakland County, where I live right here near the basement, lower level, (laughs) there's a, um, there's a, uh, what do you call this? A referendum that in Oakland County to capture my electronic data, you need a warrant. (laughs) Yes. Motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is the new personal boudoir. This phone. Yeah, you need a warrant to come into my phone. So wait, now you're saying I go get a fucking hot dog? Oh, and they're very delicious. <laughs> Dahlia onions. Mm-mm-mm. Somebody asked, you know, are they going to have to give their ID to go to American Coney Island starting Monday? <laughs> That's funny because guess what? What if they refuse? I know Deckerville and in the thumb and I know Detroit. Decker. 
right? Yeah. On, the, on the Detroit River. And none of them motherfuckers give an idea. I know them. Uh-uh. Charlie, this is why, uh, you know, the mayor is saying that there must be some impropriety because the numbers are so low with the census. No, you still have a predominantly no. black and a predominantly poor, and I don't like to use that word, but, you know, nobody's giving up. You, that That is the apprehension. Well, so, and me, there are no people here. You're taking me off the, the, the point here. We'll get to the census. Yeah, but, Sorry. but here's the thing. Because the census fucked up. We talked about that yesterday. So right. I know where you're going with it. What are they going to do? Give Whitmer's office number? And what is that office number? We should, we should put it out and everybody can give him Whitmer's office number. Or how many Tommy Two-Tones do you think are going to be signing in for a dog? A ton. You know, my number's 8675309. What's that? 8675309. What's the zip code? 911. I mean, with the area code. Area code 911. 8675309. That's what I'm doing. Uh-uh. Sorry. How are they supposed to collect them? And how what, are they enforcing it? What are they going to do? I mean, Woo! presumably they're not going to ask for it unless they're contact tracing, which... I know, don't know. Why does what is it somebody from the state come on in the state's biggest news program? And maybe explain it other yeah. than, hey, uh, they're going to have to collect your information. We're going to take you out of the knees because this is stupid. Are they going to write it down in a notebook and then hand a notebook over? Is it digital? This, get, this is getting worse. Yeah. Now, getting worse. speaking of what's getting worse, here's the... What's the name of this segment? I'm not going to tell you. I told you so. I'm not going to... I'm not going to say... Yeah. Wait, what is it? Let's get it clear. I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm not going to say yes. I told you so. But <laughs> the largest number of COVID outbreaks, we're in the second one, I told you. The largest number of COVID outbreaks. An outbreak is two or more people get it who are not related to each other or cohabitating, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Just two, yep. Outbreaks. In Michigan are still... In the nursing homes and long care, ter long term, long, long term, term, long term, care. the nursing homes and wherever other old people live. Okay. <laughs> and yet the state still refuses to give actual numbers of people infected inside these buildings or where they reside or the death count as it now does for schools. Why? Why the blackout? Have we learned nothing? No. I'm getting horror stories because you know I'm up late, folks. I'm now going to do what the media should have done and the politicians in this election year, which is why is end of care, end of life care and long-term care? Why at the end of our lives when we're old are we treated so poorly? Why are these facilities like cattle pens? Why are they infected again after we went through all this and we told you it was coming? We're not done. Crank out the numbers. Now listen, why should we care? Because we're humans and we were taught to respect and love our elders and the memories of their elders as we hope our children would do for us and remember we're next. And in that light, I want you to do this. This is my friend, Bob Paris, who took his father to the hospital and he just wrote it and he, it was so beautiful. He put it to a little bit of sound. This isn't us dancing. We're going to get off. We're just going to put a picture up. 
And I want you to just groove with it. And just think about your mom or your dad or yourself or maybe your child who will one day be like Bob's father. I'm going to do that. We'll come back after it. It's about, it's about seven minutes. Just relax. Drive the car. Think about each other. I respect you. This is Bob Paris and his pop Howie. My father is in a very strange place. Nothing is where it should be. People are talking to him, but who are they? What do they want? Where are his pants? What is this thing on his skin? He tries to unravel the IV cord and pull off the patch. Barbara tells him to stop. He does. Until a minute later when he discovers it all again. He's 91 and has what's called mild stable dementia. He's in this hospital because Barbara, my stepmother, felt he might have had a heart attack or something. Turns out his heart's fine. Probably some heartburn. But once you're admitted, it's hard to get the hell out. So he's stuck there, at least for the night. My father asks where he is. The word hospital seems to explain nothing. The room itself is constantly morphing into someone else's house. Not his house. Although he once had a house. This wasn't his house, was it? He looks at me. Do I have a house? He is a man with persistent and impossible questions. How did I get here? When are we leaving? Did I drive my car? He doesn't remember any ambulance. No answer satisfies him. He's wondering where he slept last night. Twice he refers to some job of his, but he hasn't worked in decades. Time is blurring, bending. An old clock on the wall vexes him. He says, it's not moving, is it? It's night. My arrival has meant that my stepmother can go home and get some sleep. They live in a house not far away in a gated community outside Fort Lauderdale. Now she's gone and he can't understand where she went. He's worried about her disappearance. After a while, he remembers something and explains to me that she must have left to take care of some child. He can't quite remember the name. Some eight or nine-year-old kid that, of course, she just can't leave alone in the house. I have no idea what child he's imagining. Just then he manages to pull out the IV, leaving a bloody wound and new confusion. It takes me a while just to find someone who might come in and replace it. The halls of the hospital are unreal in the evening hours, dreary and dreamlike. There's something going on within each room, and it doesn't look good. When the nurse finally comes much later, she doesn't disguise her irritation with my father. He doesn't seem to notice. Soon he asks me again where Barbara is. His agitation comes in waves, but the waves are getting higher. I say she'll be returning soon enough, that maybe he should get some sleep. He says he hopes so, but you could see he's afraid she's genuinely gone, that she might be hurt or something. He can't sleep. He's stuck in the middle of a terrible puzzle. At one point, he says, It's getting scary. I feel that way, too. The next day, he's doing all right. Less nervous, more chill. Barbara and I spend the day with him. We're waiting to get the green light to leave the hospital. It's taking forever. 
I'm also eager to speak to the mysterious cardiologist who woke him up in the middle of the night and gave him medicine for a heart condition that he doesn't have. I'm told he'll be back any minute, but I never do get to see the guy. Mostly I just want to get my father home. He seems to be taking things in stride. He's more accustomed to the room now, even though he doesn't have the foggiest idea where he is. He cheerfully eats any hospital meal put in front of him. You know how some folks change character when they get dementia? How they can become mean or shift into an utterly alien personality? Not my old man. He's pretty affable, more than I would be. He's friendly with people, even the hospital workers who sometimes talk to him like he's a mechanical thing. Or maybe they're the mechanical things. A hospital is not the easiest place to keep your dignity. A nurse comes in, friendly. She asks my father his name and age. If Barbara was here, she would rush to answer those questions. But right now, Barbara's out for coffee. And when I hear the query, I feel myself stiffen. I don't want him to be embarrassed. The question seems so intrusive, direct. There's a long pause, terrible to me, as if he's really trying to remember, and of course he can't. And then a small voice comes out of his mouth. Hal. Not Harold, the short version, Hal. And he gives his birthday, too. I just... I feel a wave of relief. There's no question, though, that his memory is shit. I doubt he knows who I am at the moment, and at times he doesn't seem to exactly know who Barbara is. He's friendly enough with her, but he's been talking to her as if he's having a conversation with a very nice woman he just met. She says something about Florida, and my father asks her how long she's lived there. She tells him they've both lived here for quite a while. He tries to process this. Later, she tells a story about my father working in Washington, D.C. He's surprised. How did you know that? She laughs and said, Oh, I've heard all about you. They've been married 50 years. Later, I jokingly refer to Barbara as his wife, as in, Well, we'll see what your wife thinks about that idea. He asks me, Who's my wife? Barbara, who's sitting right next to him, says, Me. My father says, Oh. Then he says to no one in particular, What a world. On the drive back to their house, Barbara points out things that they're passing. She asks some questions. He doesn't seem to recognize anything. I can see she's a little fearful that the stint in the hospital may have taken a real hit on his faculties. When he enters a house, though, it's touching to watch the waves of recognition. You can see his growing delight as he sees and acknowledges one familiar thing, then another, then another, each sight like a gift he's been given that he had totally forgotten about. He's home, even if he doesn't quite know that. Hey, Bob, if um, you're listening, man, I love you, dude. I really do. And I remember talking with you. And just, however you're going to vote, 
make it so it's not about getting even. It's about making it better for everybody. All of us. And to my daughter, if you ever listen to this, because I know you don't now, don't put me in there. And if you have to, make sure I'm all right. And we can all do better by our old folks. That's all I'm asking. And fuck you, Governor. I ain't giving my number. I'm giving yours. Love you, Karen. Love you guys, too. Thank you, Charlie. Break it off in your ass.